Are you a mother, father or you are involved in caring for children? If yes, then listen to Ask the Pediatricians every Thursday by 10 a.m. for insightful discussion on popular child health topics such as dangerous child health practices, immunization, infant feeding, developmental milestones and so much more. You also get to ask questions on these topics and listen to answers to real-life child health issues by a pediatrician. Ask the Pediatricians Foundation is devoted to health education and information of parents and caregivers of children in the community to support you in raising healthy children. Don't miss Ask the Pediatricians with Dr. Bimi because it's informative, educative and interactive. Ask the Pediatricians Hour the program for caring parents. Hello everyone and welcome to a fresh episode of Ask the Pediatrician Hour. I am Bimi Salaboide, I'm a pediatrician and I'm your host for today. Ask the Pediatrician Hour is a program where you can learn about health issues that affects children and we promote health of our children. And we also inform parents about common conditions, what to know about them, how to prevent them, and what to do if your children should have those conditions. Our goal is to ensure that no child dies from preventable causes of ill of death in children. And uh, this program is brought to you by Axi Pediatricians Foundation, which is a non-profit organization uh, based in Nigeria. Uh, we are committed to the well-being of all children globally, and especially in sub-Saharan Africa, where majority of our children are still dying from conditions that are largely preventable and treatable. So we do that through our health education and information programs on our social media platforms. And uh, so you have any question about the health of your children, you can post it on our Ask the Pediatrician Facebook group. And also, even if you have about your own health, you can post on ATP Family Facebook group. We also do community medical outreaches periodically. And uh, to communities where they have very limited access to pediatricians and healthcare professionals. So I really want to thank you so much for joining us today on whichever platform you're watching or listening to me. I want to say thank you for those of you who are watching our YouTube channel, ATP TV. Thank you for joining us today. And for those who are listening on my podcast platform, Ask Dr. Bimi ATP, or if you are listening on Fresh Waves Radio, I also want to say thank you so much for joining us. And if you are watching on Facebook or uh, either Ask the Pediatrician's Foundation Facebook page or groups or Fresh Waves Radio Facebook uh, page, I want to also say thank you for joining us. Please do us a favor. Invite your friends and family to listen and watch. And as well, you can share the link with them. Uh, join us in our drive, in our passion to ensure that parents are empowered with the evidence-based information when it comes to the health of their children so that our children will live and not die. So thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, this week, actually on Monday, uh, the 17th of April, was the World Hemophiliac Day. Um, 
So this set aside uh, by the World Health Organization for us to create awareness about setting uh, condition and hemophilia is one of such uh, condition. And I did promise during our ATP live session that I'll come and talk about it today because this is a very important condition. And unfortunately, some parents don't know about uh, Hemophilia. And so today, uh, you will get to know everything that you need to know about the, about hemophilia. All right. So let's start. So I don't know whether you've heard of the word hemophilia, but I'm sure you had the word hemoglobin, or you had other emo word related. So emo or the that beginning part of it talks about blood. So when you hear the word emo is always have to do with uh, blood all right and so when we're talking about hemophilia we're talking about uh, conditions that has to do with bleeding uh, it's a bleeding disorder in other words children who have hemophilia they tend to bleed a lot for one reason or the other and what is the reason why they bleed actually we you know our blood is made up of so many things uh, if you break our blood we have in it what we call the red blood cells that is what makes the blood looks red and that is the one that carries oxygen and it is inside that red blood cell you have hemoglobin and so when there are problems with red blood cells or hemoglobin things like sickle cell anemia then people like that may have low blood level or what we call anemia but inside our inside that blood that liquid that red liquid we also have what we call the white blood cells now the white blood cells are like our soldiers they were the defense ministry of the body so they help us to fight infections so that is a white blood cell there are different types of them but um we just group all of them together because that is not the emphasis today we also have that liquid part of it where the red blood cells the white blood cells and some of the other factors they are suspended we call it plasma okay now inside those liquid so apart from the red blood cells and the white blood cells and the liquid there are also some other factors and there are factors that are responsible for what we call clotting in other words when you have a small injury or a cut you will bleed you will see blood coming out but after a while you see that that bleeding will stop and something will kind of close or seal uh, that bleeding from going on that process is what we call clotting and that clotting is made possible because of certain factors that are present in our blood we call them uh clotting factors there are different uh clotting factors and so you have what we call factor eight and we also have what we call factor nine okay and there are some other ones as well so in some people for certain genetic reasons they do not have these clotting factors or they do not have enough of it and such people therefore when they have cuts or injury uh they are prone to bleeding for too long because those clotting factors are either not there or they are too 
uh, small. Uh, they don't have them in the right quantity. So depending on how much of these clotting factors people have will determine how severe this bleeding condition is. So that bleeding condition due to the deficiency or absence or reduction in quantity of the blood clotting factors is what we call hemophilia. Okay, so hemophilia is a bleeding disorder and is due to the deficiency or reduction in quantity of clotting factors. And there are different types, like I told you, there is factor eight, and we call that classical hemophilia or hemophilia A. And we also have factor nine. If there's the problem is a deficiency of factor nine, we call that hemophilia type B. There are even also hemophilia C. There are different types depending on all those other factors that may be uh, reduced or absent. So the lower the amount of that this clotting factor, the more likely the bleeding can occur and can be severe and when we're talking about bleeding we're not just talking of only when there's injury these people can also people with hemophilia sometimes if they have very severe time they can also bleed even when uh, there is no injury they can bleed in the brain they can bleed anywhere and you can imagine how serious uh, that will be all right so i hope you now know what hemophilia is okay um Usually, it's a condition that is genetic. In other words, people are born with it. Uh, so most people that have hemophilia, they tend to start showing the signs even as children. All right. Um, so, but very rarely, sometimes even adults can develop it. But that is a very rare case, you know. Uh, but majority of people with hemophilia are born with it. Now, the question you want to ask me is that what is the cause of hemophilia? Why are some people born with very small quantity of these clotting factors that leads to the fact that they now have to do with, they have to bleed or they don't uh, stop bleeding quickly? And that means they can lose a lot of blood and that can be very dangerous. Uh, so hemophilia is a genetic condition, you know. So there are I remember we've talked about genes before. All our uh, body, all our functions, everything we do, uh, all our body parts is made up from genes. So there are genes are the ones that store the information of what we can do or what we cannot do, how tall you are going to be, how fat you're going to be, how whether you're going to be black or white, or you know, all those things are coded in genes. So there's also the genes that is responsible for production of these clotting factors. So if anything happened with the, these genes, what we call mutation, like anything you know goes wrong in those genes, then that means that that instruction to produce the clotting factors may not be, will be lost and or may be altered. So at the end of the day, the people who have those kind of genetic mutation will not be able to produce the uh, clotting factors, the clotting protein, or the protein will not be able to work properly, or it may be missing completely. And that is what will lead to this 
reduction in the quantity of those clotting factors or complete absence of those clotting factors. And now the these genes, you know, we all if you remember the your know, biology or integrated science, we talked about chromosomes. I know the genes are you know inside the chromosome. So the chromosome is like the big protein that contains all the genes and we have 23 pairs of chromosomes in you know and the 22 are what we call autosomes they work with the rest of the body and then we have two what we call sex chromosomes the x and the y so the males have xy chromosomes while females have the xx chromosomes now these genes that control blood clotting factors production they are present in the x chromosome okay you will now notice why that is important because uh when we start talking about those who are likely going to have these bleeding disorders so the genes for um controlling blood clotting they are present or clotting protein they are present in the x chromosome so if a uh a father does not um if, uh, because the the gene is present in the X chromosome, I'm trying to explain it in a way that it's easier for all of us to understand. Uh, females have two X chromosomes and male have only one X chromosome. So if a father does not have this bleeding factor, it means that his own X chromosome has the genes for producing blood clotting. Okay, however, it's possible for a mother not to have this problem, not that we're not to have a bleeding disorder, but the person may, because we may have two chromosomes of the X, you may have one X chromosome that has the gene, and maybe another chromosome, X chromosome, that doesn't have the gene. So that woman will not have the disease, but that woman is carrying a deficient um it's a carrier you know what we call the person is a carrier of the traits for having hemophilia though this woman herself does not have the problem but because she has she only need at least one s chromosome to be normal for her not to have the disease but if she has one normal chromosome and one abnormal x chromosome that has the abnormality when for for producing the blood clotting factors then when that woman marries a man uh, who does not have it, the chances is that they are, when, you know, each time the, the, the children, they will get one uh, half of the chromosomes from the father and half of the chromosome from the mother. So it means for every boy that this woman has, she's going to give them the eggs because as a boy, you can only get the X from your mother, all right? So you get X from your mother and Y from your father, all right? So if the mother passes the X, that is the abnormal one in quotes, let's put it that way, then that means the boy has a Y chromosome, which is fine because the Y chromosome doesn't have anything to do with clotting factors. But if the boy get the abnormal X chromosome from his mother, who is a carrier, then that boy is going to have hemophilia because that boy has only one X chromosome and is the abnormal one. So that boy is going to have hemophilia, is going to have the disease. 
for the girls, they can either be, they can either get a X that is normal from the mother and an X that is normal from the father. That particular girl will be fine. It's not a carrier and it also does not have the disease. But another girl may get the normal X chromosome from the father that is not having a problem and a uh, abnormal one abnormal X chromosome from a mother. So that girl will become a carrier. That girl is not likely going to have the disease, but will become a carrier. But another boy may be lucky to get the normal X chromosome from the mother and the normal, um, of course, the Y chromosome is fine from the father. Then that boy will not have the uh, hemophiliac disease. So these are what we call uh, sex-related um genetic disorders, genetic disorders that are carried on the X chromosomes. Usually the girls are the carriers, but the boys are the ones that will tend to have the disease because the boys are the ones that tend to carry, uh, the, that will get the abnormal X chromosome anyway from their mother. Once in a while, it's also possible for the girls to also have the disease because if the if there's some other medical reasons for that, because if the X chromosome that has the uh, the disease is the one that is very expressed, and the one that doesn't have the disease is suppressed, then the girl can actually see how the disease, even though the girl has. Uh, uh, and a normal and an abnormal, but I won't go in, into the details for you now, but I think why it's important for us as parents is to understand how this condition comes about. So it's a genetic condition, it's a sex-related genetic condition, it is carried on the X chromosomes. So because of that, all X-related uh, genetic conditions tend to have sex boys. So hemophilia is a condition that tends to affect boys more, all right, rather than the girls. So the girls tend to be carrier. They will pass it on to their, to their male offspring or children, whereas the men are the ones that tend to have uh, the disease. So that is what causes hemophiliac. So people are born with it, it's really both the, it's commoner in males and both the factor eight and the factor nine type. Uh, but we also have the, some other factors type, which is not X related. And those ones can affect both boys and girls uh, the same way, all right? So those are the, so those, that is how X uh, uh, hemophilia happens, okay? And so we have two types, like I mentioned earlier, we have the type A, or what we call the classic hemophilia, and that is due to factor eight deficiency. And then we have the factor, the second type, which we call hemophilia B or Christmas disease. And that one is, it has something to do with Christmas, so it is called Christmas disease. It is caused by a deficiency of factor nine. So those are the two common uh, types of hemophilia. But those are not the only clotting uh, bleeding disorders or disorders that have to do with clotting factors. But in, when we talk about hemophilia, we're talking about factor eight and factor nine. Factor eight, classic hemophilia, and factor nine is a Christmas uh, disease. So I hope we 
uh, we've now understood how the condition happens. Now, the next question or the next thing we need to know is what are the signs? What are the symptoms? How do you know uh, if a child has hemophilia or not? Okay, so as I said, it's a bleeding disorder. The clotting factors are not there or they are very small. So these people who have hemophilia, they all mark. The most important symptom they have is that bleeding. They bleed excessively, you know. Anybody can bleed, but they bleed and bleed and they don't stop bleeding for a long time. It's very difficult for them to, uh, to stop bleeding because... The factors responsible for stopping bleeding, which is the clotting factors, are deficiency are deficient in them. All right, so they can bleed into virtually any organs, but they tend to bleed more into the joints. So one of the features you see in boys who have hemophilia is that you see that their joints are swollen, and especially because they bleed into the joint, and they don't really need to. Uh, do any rough play or anything, just normal activity can trigger a bleed in them. And so they can bleed into the joint and this will cause pain and tightness. And, you know, and this tends to affect what we call the, the big joints, the knees, the elbows, the ankles. So this is one of the sign that you see in children with hemophilia. You know, if they keep on bleeding into their joint, that can cause that joints, you know, to be destroyed. Uh, but the bleeding is the number one thing. So they can bleed in the joints, especially the big joints. They can bleed into the skin, you know. So you just see as if they have a bruise, you know, or they can bleed into the muscle and it will just swell up, you know. And, you know, that is, we call it hematoma. Then you see the blood so large inside, either hundred inside the muscle on the skin, they can bleed in the mouth and in their gums. And if a child, for example, if they are, um, you know, when children are cutting new tools, you know, they are losing the old one, just that loss of, of a tooth can lead to severe bleeding from the mouth. That is one of the signs of hemophilia. And also they can bleed after circumcision. In fact, this is one of the um, most, uh, uh, the earliest uh, sign that we tend to see in children with hemophilia. In fact, that's our first inclination that uh, the, the, this child may have hemophilia is that after circumcision, uh, especially in countries like Nigeria, the Jews, people that practice circumcision routinely for the boys, you will notice that these boys just keep bleeding and bleeding. And you know, for newborn babies, they don't have so much blood. All their blood is like half of a Coke, of a bottle, a, 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 a bottle of Coke, sorry. So that's about 240 mils, you know. So they can lose all that blood so quickly and that's it. So that is why we always recommend that you don't just do circumcision with just anyone because sometimes we need to be sure, they need to make sure that after the procedure, especially if you are doing the the, uh, the traditional method of circumcision, that the bleeding stops because boys with hemophilia will keep on bleeding and bleeding and they may not stop bleeding. This bleeding is different from the one due to vitamin K deficiency which is what we call vitamin K, 
related bleeding disorder is different. In hemophilia, their own bleeding just is much more worse and they can bleed for so long. And they can even have that, it is, the blood will cover the, uh, the, the false skin and it will be difficult to, to remove it. You know, so sometimes they can have bleeding after circumcision, I mean, after immunization. So you take the child for immunization and then the child keeps bleeding. So please, as parents, be very alert. If you have a boy and you notice that after either immunization or circumcision or a minor injury or for no reason, he just starts bleeding or the blood, you know, swollen joints and stuff, you may need to see the pediatricians because that may be a sign of a child who has hemophilia because they, don't, they may not have other features. They, it, won't, it won't be written across their forehead. They will not look different. It is when they start showing these signs, this excessive bleeding or bleeding for no reason uh, or difficult to stop bleeding, then that's when we begin to know that this child may have hemophilia. Or sometimes they can't even bleed in the brain, especially if it's a difficult delivery. Newborn babies, you see a newborn baby uh, with no preterm baby and they've bled in the brain, most of the time it could be hemophilia. And also they can bleed, you can see blood in their urine and blood in their stools. Again, nose bleeding. Some of the people that have all this nose bleeding that is so frequent and so difficult to stop, we need to rule out the fathers. They don't have hemophilia because that means they may have this blood clotting factors deficiency and that may be the reason why they have nosebleed frequently so these are the signs so again bleeding 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 that is excessive bleeding that is difficult to control bleeding that happens for no reason or for very trivial reasons these are uh, uh, signs or symptoms that alert us to the possibility of hemophilia. Now, how common is hemophilia or who are the people affected uh, with hemophilia? Uh, like I told us earlier, it tends to affect boys more because it's a X-related condition. It affects about one in every 5,000 males. So that is not a very uh, rare condition is quite common. Uh, so a lot of people, and you know, usually we always need to know uh, children who have hemophilia because we just have to, we talk, we'll talk about this under management. We need to know them. So most, um, if you don't pick them up early, they may die and nobody will even know why they died because they may have bled in their brain and stuff. So it's something in countries that are advanced, um, they do routine screening uh, for these uh, conditions. They, we, they don't wait to, for the boys to bleed. They don't wait for it to happen. They screen all the children. And one of the fact uh, for certain condition, we call it newborn screening. And one of the conditions they will screen for is hemophilia and check for the blood uh, clotting factors uh, in these children. All right, so it's about one, I think one in 5,000 males. So it's a, it's a boy's condition. Uh, like it's girls could be carriers. Girls are the ones that give it to the boys, but it's the boys that are affected, you know. In the United States, for example, uh, when they did an uh, a data um as analysis in 2012 to 2018 in a center that takes care of these children who have hemophilia, those who are treating them 
under the government service, you know, there may be people that are getting their service privately. They find out that there are about 20,000 to 30,000 boys in United States alone who are living with hemophilia. Remember, this is just people who are getting treatment from a government-funded uh, service. So there's a lot, a lot. And hemophilia A, or the classic hemophilia, due to factor eight deficiency, is four times as common, or uh, is four times more common than hemophilia B. So hemophilia B or Christmas disease or factor nine deficiency is less common. Hemophilia A or the classic one is the um, uh, the more common form of hemophilia. And out of all the people that are affected, 50% of them will have the severe form of the disease. So the disease can be mild, moderate, severe, depending on the quantity of factor eight that the person has. So people with mild disease, most time will not bleed spontaneously. They only bleed when there's a trigger or they may not be able to stop their bleeding on time. But those with severe disease, those are the ones that will even bleed for no reason. There's no trigger. They can just bleed in the muscle, bleed in the skin or bleed in the in the joints so that is uh, severe and more than 50 percent of affected males actually have this severe uh, disease so we've talked about what hemophilia is it's a bleeding disorder due to factor eight or factor nine deficiency we've talked about how it happened it's a genetic condition people that have it have no control over it it's about the parents uh least the mother being a carrier and then passing it on through the X chromosome to the boys. It tends to affect boys mostly. It's an X-link uh, genetic disorder. And then uh, we've talked about the symptoms and the signs that the all mark is bleeding. You remember the clotting factors are the uh, protein in the blood that makes sure that when we have a bleed or an injury, the bleeding doesn't continue forever, it will stop. So, but in this, um, in hemophiliacs, the clotting factors are reduced or deficient completely, and so they can stop the bleeding. And so bleeding, bleeding, bleeding from, from virtually any organ is what happens in children who have hemophilia. Okay, now we've talked about those who are affected, mostly boys, one in 5,000 boys. Um, so how do we make a diagnosis of hemophilia? It's actually very straightforward. It's very simple. Once the child has their first major bleed, it is so dramatic enough for most of the time for doctors to know and to pick it up. So, and it because it's a genetic condition, it's an excellent condition. It runs in family. So people that have it, they already know that in our family, people tend to have this condition. So it's very, uh, it's something that can easily be detected. And actually in those people that have it in their family, they don't even wait for the boys to start having symptoms or bleeding, they should actually screen it. Like I said, we can do this test. We can know even before the child has any symptoms that they have a genetic condition. And some 
children is not running in their family, about one third of children, it's just, it's start, it just started with that particular person. So it's in what we call a new mutation. So that's those are the people that will tell you, oh, there's nobody in my family with this disease. That means it's, it's a new, it's just starting with that particular individual. So uh, so those are the ones that tends, we tend to pick up after their first bleed, after their first traumatic bleed, that you know, the doctors are like, no, this bleeding is suspicious of hemophilia. And then that is when we will go for testing. So we can do blood tests to look for the factor eight itself. We can do blood tests to look for the factor nine. And we can actually also do the genetic test as well. So they are very straightforward, simple tests. And when we see it, we know, depending on the quantity of factor eight or the quantity of factor nine that we see in the blood, we will know how severe uh, the condition is. So it's a very simple, easy to do diagnosis. Once we suspect it, we just go and do the assay for those factor eight and factor nine. We can actually measure the quantity of them in the blood and, you know, and we can say they are too reduced or they are not even present at all. And then we can confirm the diagnosis. All right. So I guess the next thing is how do we treat uh, children or adults as well who have hemophilia? All right. So we've talked about how to make the diagnosis. We've talked about um, what causes the symptoms and the signs. So what is a treatment? Luckily, this is one of those conditions that is treatable. <laughs> okay. This is one of those conditions that is treatable because we can actually replace the missing factors. So these children have factor eight missing or they have factor nine missing. And that is the cause of the hemophilia. So luckily we can actually get factor eight from other people's blood. Or we can actually produce it artificially in the lab and then we can give it to the children. And as long as we are giving them the factor eight, replacing it, uh, from the outside. In other words, instead of them producing it by themselves, we give it to them, then they'll be fine. So that is the treatment. It's a very straightforward condition. It's a very straightforward treatment. The most important thing is for us to just pick it up on time to know where it is present. And like I said, in uh, advanced countries, very rich countries, they screen all the children and once they pick it up, then they put the child on replacement. So they just give them the factor hit. So as long as we are giving them factor eight, then they will clot properly. So usually we infuse it, we'll give it into the veins, okay? It's not something that they can drink. This is not something they rub on their body. It is something that we have to give into the veins. And that is why children who have hemophilia have to be known and have to be registered with the pediatric hematologist. Those are the specialists, uh, pediatricians that deal, that support children who have hemophilia or any other blood conditions. So when we say hematologists, remember the word emo, emo has to do with blood. So hematologists are the specialists that deal with blood conditions. And we have pediatric hematologists that support children who have hemophilia. So luckily we can produce factor eight uh, commercially, we can produce it as what we call concentrates. So they're available. They used to be very expensive, but luckily I think a lot of um, 
uh, non-profit organization are also supporting. And I think sometimes I remember there was time we we're giving it for free to the children uh, in Nigeria. If I remember, I'm not sure what is going on right now. But if your child, if you suspect your child has hemophilia or you know anybody has hemophilia, please let them get in touch with the pediatric hematologist and then they will be able to uh, support them with how to get these factor concentrates and how to administer it. Usually for children, we usually have to bring them into the hospital to give it to them. But actually with time, we can actually teach them how to uh, give it to themselves, you know, and, you know, they can give it. So usually we give them these drugs regularly, like prophylaxis, you know, because once you give it to them after some time, it's going to wear off. And, you know, they are not producing it. The rest of us who don't have hemophilia, we produce our own factor eight, we produce our own factor nine, because the genes is giving the information to the body to produce them. But for children with hemophilia, not, the gene is not uh, working or it has been altered, so you cannot give that instruction. So we give it to them, and then after a few weeks or so, it's going to wear off, and then we have to give it another one again. So it's a chronic uh saying that they have to always get a replacement of their factor eight so we have to give them on a regular basis usually for those with mild ones which means that they are producing a little uh, usually we'll give them when they are have a bleed or something but for those who are severe they just have to be on it very frequently and of course we need to also take care of the children generally good quality medical care um to prevent complications you know um so that is why it's better the child is on that specialist this is not a condition any just any doctor or even just any pediatrician can manage the child has to be on the specialist pediatric hematologists uh, that take care of uh, children with hemophilia. And sometimes they are usually in the teaching hospitals. For those in Africa, they are actually not in private. These are tertiary, advanced level of, of care. So it's important that uh, parents are aware and they register their children and they go for regular treatment and uh, prophylaxis, okay? And so, and these doctors will be monitoring the children, monitoring, because sometimes the bleeding to the joints can deform the joints, so we may need to work with other doctors, like the orthopedic doctors and all that. So they need to monitor them and make sure that the children uh, fine, you know, not just about the bleeding alone, but their general health, uh, they are good, all right? So that's that. Unfortunately, when you give something that is not um, natural, if something that is artificial, um, it's, it, it's kind of, the body kind of reacts to it and produces like what we call antibodies against it, you know, like this is foreign, this is not from me. And so sometimes, 15 to 20% of children or people with hemophilia will develop those antibodies uh, that will work against the clotting factor that we're giving them. And so that is more challenging, really. Um, so it may become more difficult. So uh, because we now have to start fighting the inhibitor. We fight the inhibitor and we still need to give the clotting factors and we need to try different routes, you know. So people with inhibitors, those who develop antibodies against the uh, external, the factor is concentrated, they tend to 
uh, have more severe uh, uh, um, outcome. They tend to have uh, their quality of life is reduced, you know, because it's, it's really a battle now. So we're fighting every hand, you know, so that's a challenge. But luckily, there are not so many, 15 to 20 percent, but it's quite still a significant number. But then again, the specialists, they know what to do. You just have to uh, make sure you are seeing them and then they can support the child. All right. So for the past more than 30 minutes, I've been talking about hemophilia. So today is just about creating the awareness. I don't know whether any of you listening to me, you suspect your child has hemophilia, or if you have lost a child for um, no apparent reason, you don't know, you may need to be sure, especially if it's a male child, you know, we need to be sure that, especially if there's bleeding involved, you need to be sure that that child does not have hemophilia. So if you have listened to me today and you suspect that your child may have hemophilia, uh, there is hope. It's a very easy, straightforward disease. We know the cause, we know what is missing, and we can replace what is missing. And so feel free to get in charge. Uh, you can just go to a teaching hospital, ask for the hematology department or the pediatric hematology uh, for children, and then uh, you can get a referral letter from your own general uh physician or doctor, the family doctors, they can refer you to the teaching hospital and then they will be able to support your children. Like I said, uh, I know that it's a time the fact they, those factors were so expensive and it was so difficult for us in the third world to get them, but I think we are able to get them now and I think some agent organizations are supporting as well. So hopefully there's hope for children who have hemophilia as long as we make the diagnosis on time and as long as we're able to treat them on time and, and it's, a, it's a lifelong treatment, we keep replacing the factor hate. Luckily, not every person has a severe type. So some people have the mild to moderate type where they, they still produce some factor hate themselves. So, so those ones we only transfuse them or give them the factors, you know, when they're in a situation that will make them bleed more. But for those with severe form, they just have to be getting their factor hits on a regular basis. All right. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you have any question based on this topic, feel free to go to our Hacks the Pediatrician Facebook group. You can always post your questions there from Mondays to Saturdays, 24 hours daily. We are there and we are happy to answer your questions. And so um, sometimes it may take us up to 24 to 48 hours to respond to your questions. Please be patient with us. And on Sundays, you will not be able to post your questions because that's our break day. So we usually don't open our group on that day. And also, if you want to read about important tropical child health issues, you can go to our website. Um, our website is www.axk.com 
the pediatricians.com. I'm sure you can see uh, some of the names that are behind me on our flyers. So just Google it, axipediatricians.com. And you can read important topics that we've written about all these topics that we're discussing as well for those of you who like to read. And if you like to listen, remember even this episode and all the past episodes, you can still listen to them on my podcast, Ask Dr. Bemi ATP podcast. Just Google Ask Dr. Bemi ATP podcast and then you can listen and not only about this topic of hemophilia, but all the other topics we've talked about. I think we talked about autism spectrum this other last uh, in uh, last two weeks or so, and all the other uh, topics we've talked about. I'm sure you're going to learn a lot. And you can, if you have any question you would like me to uh, answer, you can, and you don't want to use the Facebook platform, or you can also email me. Uh, just email me, drbemisola at askthepediatricians.com. Uh, email me and I'll try and respond to them. Or if you have any particular topic that you would like us to talk about, maybe you think it's so important to you, uh, you'd like us to talk about that particular topic, feel free to send your request in as well uh, to us on email, drbemisola at askthepediatricians.com. Or you can send us a WhatsApp message on our WhatsApp uh, plus two three four nine zero five six nine one six eight one eight. Let me take that again. Plus two three four nine zero five six nine one six eight one eight. Please do not send um, questions. Uh, trying to have a conversation with us on WhatsApp because we reserve that platform for our ATP clinics for those who want to see our pediatricians privately. And so it's a paid service for that. But if you just want us to send us a message, we will receive the message. All right. So thank you so much for listening. And I want you to go ahead today and make sure that you talk to somebody about hemophilia. And if you know somebody with hemophilia, if you know any child with hemophilia, please, please, please show the boys some love, all right? Show them some love and let's keep supporting them. And of course, in terms of prevention, I guess it is for those who... um, it's a little bit tricky, really, <laughs> for, for the females who are already trick, who are already carriers of the condition. I don't think there's much they can do about it, you know. Um, as long as they marry, the likelihood of them passing that gene to one of their boys is 50%. So, so it's 50% for each male pregnancy. <laughs> so, um but there are prenatal diagnosis options and stuff, but I'm not so sure how many people want to, you know, you know, I don't think that's an option like terminating the life of a child because they have hemophilia. And luckily it's a condition that is treatable. So um, so there's nothing much we can do in terms of prevention. But maybe those who are carriers just need to be aware and make sure that maybe they have a male child, that child is screened. And 
enrolled into the um, management, uh, be under the care of the specialist, and so that if the child needs to be on replacement therapy with factor eight or factor nine, that could be done. So I think that is all we can do in times. And I'm sure that's a question that many people want to ask me, is this preventable and what can we do? Genetic conditions are a little bit tricky. Of course, scientists are working so hard and we are getting to the era of what we call gene therapy and it's still in research form right now, but we are hopeful, just like for sickle cell anemia, hemophiliac, all these genetic conditions, cystic fibrosis, we are open and hopeful and scientists are working so hard to see whether we can actually repair the gene in the cells because that is the that is the final solution. So if you can get to the genes and repair the gene and then or put in a new gene that will produce the factor eight or the factor nine right inside the body of these children, that will be the final solution. And I think we're getting there. We are getting close, okay? I think they're already doing some genetic therapy in terms of sickle cell anemia. There have been some promising uh, results. So hopefully maybe in another couple of years or uh, maybe we may be talking about final cure for hemophilia, sickle cell anemia, and all those other genetic conditions because of a breakthrough with gene therapy. Finger crossed, but scientists are working so hard, so they still hope at the end of the tunnel. All right. So thank you so much, so much, so much for listening to me. For those of you who are just joining us, please rewatch the video. And remember, we've been talking about hemophilia. It's a bleeding disorder. It's an excellent genetic disorder due to factor, uh, clotting factor deficiency, factor eight and factor nine. Um, it's commonly in boys, it affects mostly boys, and uh, it can cause severe bleeding, depending on how severe the deficiency of the clotting factors. But luckily, this is one of those good uh, conditions where we actually have a treatment and we have a cure. I mean, we're not a cure, but at least a treatment. So we can replace the missing factors. We can give it to the children and they'll be fine. So there's hope for those who may have hemophilia. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'll see you again next week when I'll be discussing another important topic that has to do with the health of our children. Until then, I say have a wonderful day and keep uh, supporting our children. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Are you a mother, father or you are involved in caring for children? If yes, then listen to Ask the Pediatricians every Thursday by 10 a.m. for insightful discussion on popular child health topics such as dangerous child health practices, immunization, infant feeding, developmental milestones and so much more. You also get to ask questions on these topics and listen to answers to real-life child health issues by a pediatrician. 
Us the Pediatrician's Foundation is devoted to health education and information of parents and caregivers of children in the community to support you in raising healthy children. Don't miss Us the Pediatrician's with Dr. Gbemi because it's informative, educative and interactive. Ask the Pediatrician's Hour. The program for caring parents.